tell my wife all the time? You know what I tell her? I said, I don't take you for granted. I take you for gold. <laughs> I tell her that all the time. Anyway, so she told me today she didn't take me for granted. I said, is that all? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble in Jesus' name and to study together. Uh, thank you for the, the holy word of God, uh, the living word of God, uh, the message that you have for us as your people and, and how we are to live uh, in a world that is, that is dark and uh, we do live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, as Paul says here in, this, in the chapter 2 here. So, Lord, uh, give us uh, guidance. Help me to teach accurately and clearly. Be with all the other ongoing ministries, Awana and Youth Group. Thank you for those that lead. Uh, encourage them and use them. May the Word of God go forth with power this evening. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you note on the overhead, we are in Philippians, and the theme is rejoicing or joy. Rejoice in the Lord. And we've worked our way down to chapter 2, rejoicing in Christ, our example. And we're going to see there's actually a few examples, but Christ is the premier example, of course. And uh, let's see, what do I got for slide number 2 here? Yeah, we're coming. Uh, we ended up with verse 16 last time, but uh, here's the flow. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh, that's kind of a challenge, right? Yeah, amen. I mean, I, I, it's very easy to fall into one of those two categories, either complaining or disputing. Sometimes you can do both at the same time. <laughs> but uh, do everything. You say, well, I, I think that needs qualified. Uh, how are we going to qualify that? I mean, anyway, as far as, you know, unbiblical complaining, unbiblical disputing, there's a place for, you know, properly defending the faith and, and all of this. And it doesn't mean that you don't ever point out error of this kind of thing. So you could probably qualify it in that way. But we're talking about sinful, complaining and disputing. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Uh, this is how our light is to shine. Not complaining, not disputing. The world is watching uh, how our light is shining. Holding fast the word of life, so I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain uh, or labored in vain. So Paul really saw these, these Philippians as an investment, a spiritual investment that was going to come up one day uh, before uh, the Lord uh, in, in the day of Christ. And so uh, note these, uh, just an overview here as far as what we're looking at. Uh, chapter 127, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. He's definitely thinking about their conduct. And the key emphasis as we have moved on here is unity centered in humility. And there's four great examples in chapter 2. Christ, uh, which we have already covered, the premier example. But then Paul and Timothy, as we will see tonight, and Epaphroditus, uh, Lord willing, we'll take a look at that next week. Well, let's have somebody read verses 17 and 18. They go together. Somebody want to read 17 and 18? Yeah, Vince? Yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So uh, he's, uh, he's making a point here, and he's using an Old Testament uh, image to make it. He says, uh, yes, uh, and he's thinking about uh, how his ministry is linked with the Philippians, as we've already noted. 
But he says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering, which the, the assumption is he is, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Now, again, this is Old Testament imagery. I mean, we're not offering up sacrifices today, right? I mean, other than our bodies are to be a living sacrifice, uh, the fruit of our lips, uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving, this kind of thing, spiritual sacrifices. But in the Old Testament, they really did have real physical sacrifices. And there was really two main kinds of physical sacrifices in the Old Testament. Uh, you had what we might call uh, mandatory mandatory sacrifices, uh, which related to sin. And they were non-sweet savor. And on the other hand, you had uh, those that were voluntary. And these uh, would relate to uh, the drink offering, although burnt offering also was uh, voluntary. So uh, voluntary was more in relationship to, uh, you know, consecration to God, fellowship with God, uh, your walk with, with God. And those were sweet uh, sweet savor offerings. And uh, the drink offering was a sweet savor. And what happened here usually is, uh, let's say you had a burnt offering, which indicated you know, fellowship with the Lord or commitment to the Lord, consecration to the Lord, a burnt offering. Just as the offering is consumed, it's a picture of my all-out commitment to God. And then at the end, you would, kinda, you would put a drink offering over the burnt offering, almost as an amen to the initial offering. And it's interesting here that he uh, compares himself to the drink offering, which was rather minor in comparison to uh, the sacrifice, uh, the burnt offering. And so it's interesting how, how Paul states this here. Uh, we see some real humility, it would seem, as far as emphasizing their offering uh, versus his relatively minor drink offering. So, uh, and notice here, uh, they're both tied to faith. Uh, poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. Um, they're both tied to faith here. Sacrifice and service are tied to faith. And I think the expectation is, uh, you know, as we have faith, this is how it will show in our life in terms of how we live. As we already noted, Romans chapter 12, uh, we are to be living sacrifices, to commit ourselves a living sacrifice to the Lord. And then he says, as he continues on here, um, he says, because of the, the sacrifice, or on the sacrifice and service of your faith, and he says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Because of their sacrificial service, Paul is very happy about this. And by the way, the word service here uh, is a, the Greek word from which we get liturgy. And it's referring to a religious, a religious offering, a religious sacrifice. Uh, religious service is really the idea here. And because of their religious service, he is, he is most happy. I am glad and rejoice with you all. He is happy in terms of what they are doing and his, his, his commitment as well and how it all is working together in relationship to the day of the Lord. I think he ultimately has an eternal perspective. And uh, we see that interwoven throughout the book. Okay, and then verse 18. He says, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. <laughs> it's interesting. He has this attitude of rejoicing in their sacrificial commitment and, and how he's building on top of that. And, and it gives him great joy, thinking in terms of the day of Christ and, and what it's all going to mean on, on that day. But then he says, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So he encourages them to have the very same attitude uh, in regard to him. 
Uh, he rejoiced in the privilege uh, to give of himself sacrificially for them. And now he wants them to have this same attitude towards him. All in regards to the day of Christ. Ultimately, the reward that will come from the Lord on that day. So uh, Paul had a stake in them, and they had a stake in him. And so there's, you know, you definitely do not see in Paul's theology a one-man show, right? We're in this together. Uh, we're bu- I'm building into you guys, and, and, you, and you're, we're working together. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a team effort here, as being emphasized. A uh, couple of uh, slides here. Verse 17, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And then verse 18, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So you see it's, uh, it's to be mutual. Uh, sacrificial service as seen in Paul is God-focused, other-focused, and eternity-focused. That is the basis of this kind of joy. And then I've got a quote from MacArthur. Unfortunately, many believers experience joy in much the same way as the world does. When circumstances are favorable, they are happy. But when circumstances are unfavorable, they are sad and sometimes resentful. The only things that bring them joy are those that promote their own self-interest and welfare. But when believers seek to do the Father's will and to please Him, they view sacrifice for Him with joy. The reason many believers know little about Paul's kind of joy is that they know little about his kind of sacrifice. Uh, That is the context here. And he's emphasizing joy in relationship to their sacrifice, uh, what they're giving them their life for in terms of their service. Okay, uh, so any other thoughts there before we move on? Okay, very good. So verses 17, we have the humble example of Paul and, uh, you know, his humble service, the sacrificial giving of himself for the cause of Christ, for the good of others. And now we move on here to Timothy. And let's break this up into a couple of different sections. Somebody want to read 19 through 21? Who wants to read that? 19 through 20? Yeah, Albert? Yep, okay. Verse 19. Verse Well, there's some real gems in here as far as your attitude in terms of which you're serving. And notice he says, verse 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. What's the sense of this? I trust in the Lord Jesus uh, to send Timothy to you shortly. Um, What do you suppose is the spirit of that, the sense of that? Yeah, and the timing, right? As you work on through, he's definitely, you know, he's hoping to send him shortly. But I think there's kind of a sense like a human desire to do so, and yet he's uh, waiting on the Lord. He's trusting the Lord in relationship to this this matter, which is kind of a, a great little principle tucked in here because there's lots of times we don't quite know. Uh, well, should Timothy go right immediately? Should he wait a little bit? Uh, and, and where does trust come in here? Well, he's trusting the Lord, I think, to guide him in this matter. We often say that uh, we make our plans, but yet the outcome is in God's hands. Uh, the Lord wills we shall live and do this or that. I think, I think you have, a, again, a kind of a sense of humility here. I'm trusting the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. That's, that's the goal. But, uh, you know, it's still kind of up in the air a little bit. 
Um, per, at this time, uh, Timothy was in Rome with the Apostle Paul. And the idea here is he's hoping to send Timothy from Rome to Philippi and then have him report back to Paul and then later for Paul to go himself. That's the plan here. That's the overarching plan here. Uh, Timothy was a, a man who had a great heritage. He had a godly mother and grandmother. And he was brought up in the things of the scriptures. But, you know, we don't know for sure, but uh, it seems that his father was probably an unbeliever. Uh, you know, he wasn't circumcised initially. It seemed to be here, as far as a Jewish context, your, your faith is very much... Uh, in relationship to the practice of circumcision back here. I mean, if you had regard for the God of Israel and covenant relationship with the God of Israel, you practice circumcision on your children. So the fact that he wasn't uh, would maybe indicate that. And uh, after he was converted on uh, the first missionary journey, Paul's first missionary journey, then he accompanied Paul on his second missionary journey, and he became the right-hand man. He became one of the right-hand men. Well, you know, Paul had several, but, but Timothy was especially close. He often calls him my son. So, so they were very close. And he's hoping then to send uh, Timothy shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. That's interesting. Uh, Paul's expecting a good report back, right? He didn't say, so when I get to news of all your depressing stuff, I can begin to pray for you all. Uh, no, he says, uh, so that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. He's anticipating that there will be a good report. And uh, so... He's anticipating that. Um, and then his goal is to, you know, of course, uh, to uh, follow up. Follow up. Paul was a big one on follow up. Uh, he had invested in these people. And this is called follow up here. Uh, he's wanting to follow up in terms of uh, the investment he's made there. And, of course, uh, it seems that uh, Epaphroditus is going to be taking the letter immediately. And then, again, Timothy is going to follow up. And then finally, uh, Paul is going to follow up eventually. And here is what he's thinking is, as far as sending Timothy. He says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Uh, like-minded is an interesting word. It literally means equal-souled. Uh, equal-souled. Uh, it's the idea here of uh, thinking alike, having a kindred, a kindred spirit, we might say. Right? He thinks like I do about you. Uh, he has the same concern for you that I do. And so that's what, that's what he's saying here. Um, then he says, I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state, genuinely care about you. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Epaphroditus was there, right? <laughs> Where's Epaphroditus in this equation? Well, I, I think Paul is thinking about somebody who can go and, and maybe be there for a little bit. And uh, Epaphroditus is, is basically a messenger. And so I don't know why he didn't include Epaphroditus. Maybe he had other, other plans for Epaphroditus. I'm not sure what, what the answer is there. What's that? Well, you could care, though, right? You could care, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what the... You know, he, he commends Epaphroditus greatly as we go on in the chapter here. So I don't think he's sliding Epaphroditus, honestly. But it's interesting how he states this. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Uh, there's a, Godly humility cares for the spiritual welfare of others. 
And again, we have the great example of Christ earlier in the chapter. Then we have the example of Paul and now Timothy. And finally, we will have Epaphroditus at the end of the chapter. He continues on here, and and he's kind of all-inclusive. He says, verse 21, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. All seek their own. Uh, This, by the way, is the great issue of life. Uh, What are you seeking? Are you seeking your own, uh, or are you seeking the things of Christ? That's the ultimate issue. Uh, My own interests, the Lord's interests. Uh, That's the ultimate issue. And uh, if we are really seeking the things of Christ, it seems to me we're concerned about others. That's the mind of Christ. And so uh, what what a great statement here. All seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. So again, I'm not sure what he's thinking about Epaphroditus. I do know what he's thinking about him because, as I say, he goes on to commend him greatly. But at this point, he definitely has Timothy. Maybe he's the only one that's really available. Uh, Epaphroditus has other things going. I'm not sure what the explanation is. But uh, anyway, uh, verse uh, number, slide six, rather. For Timothy, as for Paul, the cause of uh, Jesus Christ is bound up with the well-being of his people. And so, yeah, uh, the cause of Christ is bound up with the well-being of his people. Warren Wiersbe has a great statement. In a very real sense, all of us live either in Philippians 1.21 or Philippians 2.21, Right? Now, what's Philippians 1.21? Right. For to me to live is Christ. That's where Paul's coming from. Well, what, what about chapter 2, verse 21 here? Well, yeah. All seek their own, not the things of Christ. And so I think Wiersbe's right, ultimately. At any given point, we're either living in Philippians 1.21 or we're living in Philippians 2.21. And so, and the emphasis here is the... Uh, the issue of sacrificial service. Uh, you understand that this was about a 40-day journey if he, if he didn't have to get you know, bogged down anywhere. So this was not an easy, you know, he didn't have email. I mean, this is, uh, and the postal service wasn't the greatest either. So, uh, so this was a, a trick. One way, 40 days. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You know, I try to stay away from most things political, even with Facebook. So I don't know, they, they, but they shut me down anyway in terms of last day's madness. I, you know, I, it was on there for just a little bit, and, and then it was gone. So I'm not sure even what particular article they pulled that from. But I saw the phrase there, and they were telling me, uh, for 90 days, you're, you're, it's not going to be on the main feed. And so I said, okay, last day's madness. I don't know what, you know, that could have been about anything, just about. But anyway, yeah. Um, So we got a situation here where this is going to be a a, a real commitment on the part of Timothy. Forty days there, forty days back. Uh, We're talking about three months. I mean, this is going to be a while. This is not going to happen overnight here. And, uh, you know, a lot of things on on the journey. You talk about giving of yourself sacrificially dangers, uh, all kinds of weariness, hard work. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be costly. So, uh, by the way, I, I had this, you know, when I taught through Philippians, I used this illustration. It was so funny, and bless her soul. But this lady called me one day, and she said, you know, there, there is somebody in the church family, and there was, and says, I, I'm wondering if somebody could, you know, maybe make some meals for this person. 
this is a very able-bodied woman. <laughs> yeah, she said, maybe somebody from the church could do this. And I, I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, what about you? Maybe you could do it. I mean, and if there's, you know, if we need more, yeah, obviously. But it was just kind of funny because this person was definitely, you know, not very involved in the church. But maybe the church could do something. <laughs> well, look at what we got going here uh, with uh, Timothy. Uh, we're talking sacrificial giving, even as uh, exemplified in Paul. And that's what he goes on to say um, as we get into the next verse here. All right, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here? The last few verses here. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yes, that's right. And, and kind of, I'm trusting the Lord for this, and, and yet it's still not quite totally certain. You know. Well, yeah, that's right. Whatever, whatever direction it goes, I trust is in the Lord for sure. Yeah, the will of the Lord be done, kind of. Yeah, that's right. Okay, very good. Uh, somebody want to read verses uh, 22 through 24? We'll stop there tonight. 22 through 24. Yeah, John? Okay, thank you. So, you know, they knew Timothy. And he said, but uh, you know his proven character. Three times he had been to Philippi. So they knew him quite well. And Paul says, you know his proven character. Uh, the idea of proven is that which is tested and found worthy. That proven character. Boy, that's, that's a really wonderful thing, isn't it? Proven character. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of situations where you say, boy, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> They're not proven. Uh, you know, they, they make a profession, whatever. Uh, but here he's emphasizing he has proven character, which is uh, the idea of approval gained through testing. Been through some testing, trying, difficult times, and he has proven himself faithful in that crucible of life that's challenging. And I always kind of say, you know, ministry is kind of a crucible. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that discourage you. You, you do want to kind of say, oh, maybe, maybe something else would be okay. <laughs> Every pastor feels this way on Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays, not so much, but Wednesday, it's gone. But anyway, uh, you know, there's challenges. Uh, but he hung in there. And uh, this was a word that was used in relationship to metals, precious metals. They would heat the metals up, and, and that which is pure uh, would be refined and would stay where the chaff would go by the wayside. So uh, he was uh, not untested. He was tested. He was tested and had proven character. And uh, I really think in terms of, uh, you know, leaders in the church, there, there is nothing more important than character. And none of us are perfect. I mean, we're all in process. But character is the ultimate issue when it comes to leadership. Here we got a guy who's proven. He has, you know, his proven character. And uh, notice he didn't say his, his ability. You know, he's got great ability. No, his character is what he's emphasizing here. You know his proven character. 
that as a son with his father, how did he prove it? Well, he proved it in his faithful service in the ministry with Paul. He was there. Uh, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Very close. And in this uh, context, Paul uh, or Timothy uh, proved himself as a son with his father in the gospel ministry. Uh, in other words, he proved he had an attitude of faithful service for the cause of the gospel. That's what he did. Uh, there was no personal agenda. There was a gospel agenda. And he proved faithful to that agenda. He didn't kind of say, well, Paul, I'm going to push you aside and I'm going to take over here. No, uh, he was willing to work as a son with, uh, with, his, uh, with, with Paul, uh, son with, as with a father. Um, okay. Any other thoughts there before we go on to verse uh, 23? Okay, verse 23. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. He wants him to come and get this moving as soon as I see how it goes with me. Now, we think what's probably in view here is Paul was probably waiting for the preliminary trial to see kind of where this is going to go. And after that, we're kind of reading in there just a little bit. But most of the commentators think this is probably what the idea when he says, uh, as soon as I will see how it goes with me. Well, what's, what's, what's his context? He's awaiting trial. And so the idea is probably that he's waiting to see what the preliminary outcome of his trial is, and then he would send Timothy. So he's going to send Epaphroditus with the letter, and then as soon as he knows how it's going with him, because he might have an emergency need of him right now, but as soon as he's free to where he can send him, he's going to, he's going to do that. That's the idea. And uh, again, uh, we see Paul is clearly in charge, but he's very humble. Uh, and so he says, verse uh, 24, but I trust in the Lord. There we go again, right? Verse 19, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy. Verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall come shortly. Again, he uses this language of trusting in the Lord in terms of making plans. I think that's a good thing to do. So we're trusting in the Lord. We've got some plans, we've got some goals, and here's our ideas. But we're trusting in the Lord according to the Lord's will. According to, we're trusting the Lord to guide us and direct us in terms of how he wants uh, the outcome to be. So uh, I think he had a settled confidence in, in the Lord's direction here. That's where the trust comes in. But yet, uh, he's not quite sure the timing and, and how this is exactly going to work out. So there's expectation here, but it's not absolutely sure. Again, we make our plans, but the outcome is in God's hands. Ever had your plans changed? Yeah, we do. It happens. Uh, so let me wrap up with just a few uh, slides here. Again, this is Bible knowledge commentary. Uh, though the scriptures include no specific statement about Paul's release, it must have occurred since he was imprisoned again in Rome, during which time he wrote his last letter, 2 Timothy. Though there is no record of Paul revisiting Philippi, he may have returned there after his release. We certainly see that seems to be his desire and, and his plans. That he's going he's gonna to make his way back to, to Philippi. Timothy as an example of humility. What do we see here? We see these characteristics. Uh, he was like-minded with Paul. Genuinely cared about people. Uh, did not seek his own agenda, but that of Christ. Was a proven man. Was a man of gospel service. And he was available. You know, he didn't say, you know, this is a little hard. I, I, I think I might want to just kind of sit this one out. Nope, he was willing to go, right? He was available. Uh, Bill Waters used to tell us all the time, the most important thing is to be available. Uh, you know, 
maybe certain roles you've got to have some ability too. But uh, yeah, available. Uh, note here, uh, Paul and Timothy are both examples of those uh, consistently lived out, of those who consistently lived out the mind of Christ, who thought of others before self. Uh, this really defines humility. Uh, when that is in place, biblical unity will prevail. The major motivation factor behind this kind of living is an eternal perspective. And then finally, um, I've got a a quote here from C.S. Lewis. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. Uh, you know, it is kind of where is your focus. And again, all the way through here, I think this builds off of what we saw in verse 16 when he's encouraging them to hold fast the word uh, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. So the ultimate issue in Paul's mind is we are serving in light of eternity. Our lives are making a difference and it's going to be evaluated and we're going to be rewarded. And so he's rejoicing that they have been keeping on as a little concern about the unity and uh, he's, he's making a, a, a plug for that in different ways. The example of Christ, the example of Paul, the example of Timothy. And we got one more example in Epaphroditus. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Okay. Yes, yes. We'll take questions too, yes. You're fine. You, you probably have a question that I can't even answer, so we're going to turn it over to Vince. So it says in the beginning of Philippians, yeah, yeah, well, he's currently in prison, and it's interesting in Roman prisons, it's not like our, our prisons where they're supporting you and they're feeding you, and you are relying on friends and family to take care of you. So they had sent gifts to help him. He'll get to this at the end of the book here. But yeah, uh, they were his supporters. They were supporting Paul, and he was in a very difficult situation there in prison. Yeah, and that's, that was made him pr- close to him, you know, when you're in ministry with somebody like that. Yeah, that's a great question. Very good question. All right. Somebody else? Okay, very good. Let's uh, share some uh, prayer requests. Uh, we have, you need a prayer sheet, anyone? We've got some prayer sheets uh, up in the front here. Everybody got one? Okay. You got one, Vince? Yeah, okay. <laughs>